don't know how to start this. Sometimes it feels like with each episode, I become more and more unfamiliar with the format. Like, as if, like, with each year of life, I become more unfamiliar with myself. As if I'm traveling backwards in time. Sometimes it really feels like... You know that thing about how the more you learn about something, the more you realize how much you don't know? Sometimes that's how all of life feels like for me, where it's like, hold on, I have to sneeze. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. So when we sit here with this feeling of just absolutely having a broken compass and being lost in the wilderness, I think we have to just come back to, uh, yeah, I, I think I have to just start by reviewing a water. Hopefully you already know what this is, you know? Hopefully you already know what you're listening to, because I can introduce it to you. I couldn't explain it to you if I wanted to. Um, so this is orange. We're doing orange today, and the brand is Poppy. Let's smell it. <sighs> yeah, mm, prebiotic soda. It's like a third of it is fresh and... Um, what's the word? Fizzy and good, and a third of it is orange like there's a lot of orange juice in here and then the last third is the prebiotic thing which is just like a weird infused with apple cider vinegar oh that's what's up yeah a third of this is a weird gross thing going on but it's funny like what do you mean infused with like what an annoying sort of way to try to make something sound more complicated than it is like this is a can of sparkling water and you poured apple cider vinegar in here like don't say you infused something with something that's not what that word means you just poured some in here yeah there's just some stevia why did i put stevia in here okay i really think i don't like this the tone I've struck on this episode, I really hate this episode so far. Like, it really feels like I am... What does it feel like? It feels like I'm operating like a broken animatronics puppet. Okay, let's just talk about the now. So, um, I'm, I'm fascinated with escapism, and I'm fascinated with altered states. And when you become sober... In a way, there are no more altered states for you that you can just go to um, with the speed and gravity of drugs and alcohol. So you become hypersensitive to how there are other ways. There are ways to alter, have an altered state of mind without drugs and alcohol. And so there are little wholesome ones, uh, like movies. And, uh, you know, movie, I've been... I've, become um, re-enamored with movie theaters. Because for a really long time, I had this opinion that like movie theaters are so dated because the whole thing was, it's a relic from an era where you had a little black and white TV at home and you could go to the movie to a movie theater and on the huge screen with the huge speakers, see a movie in color. And it was like so much better just... Uh, picture quality and sound so much better than what you could experience at home. And then, really, if you um, take a step back and look at where we are now, that's not true at all anymore. Because the whole experience, in terms of just the basic technology of it, is that now that's not true at all. And now you have a much better 
screen and much better sound and everything is much better at your home. And I think it's easy to forget that because it's easy to think that like a movie theater is like 4K and really great. But if you actually um, just go into a movie theater, sit down, watch the movie, and then at any point, just check in with yourself and actually look at the screen and, 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 oh God, it's funny. I'm trying to like retell an opinion I don't have anymore. And it's, it's really, it's really one of my weaknesses. <laughs> like, that's why I'm so bad at arguing because good arguing, constructive arguing is being able to restate the point of your opponent, of the person you disagree with, and to just not be so stuck in yourself and your own moment and your own like bucket of opinions and instead just like relax and hold all of them. Hold even, you know, steel man the argument of the person you're disagreeing with and just soften up your own thing. Like I'm really struggling to describe this opinion here that I'm, that I no longer hold because what I was going to say is like, if you actually, if you're in a movie theater and you're watching the screen, if you actually stop in your brain and stop just going along for the ride and you actually look at the screen, you can see that the screen is actually super blurry. Like a movie theater projector creates this screen in front of you that's super blurry. And the whole thing sucks compared to just watching a movie at home on your big fucking flat screen TV that every fucking single person in the whole universe has because they're only like 150 bucks now. So there's all of that. And then there's all the stuff of like, when you go to the theater, you can't pause the movie. You can't do anything. And there's like strangers all around you um, making sounds and being annoying. And you're like in their presence. And I used to hate every part of it. No part of it made sense to me, the movie theater thing. And then... Like the, the snacks are gross. You can't bring your own snacks. They do popcorn. And it's like, what's more overrated and shitty than popcorn? Like popcorn is absolute trash. This used to be my opinion. And then something happened. And I actually lost the ability to watch a movie. Because I've, I, I thought of it as what you have to do is you have to watch a movie at home. And then I just couldn't. Because whenever I tried to watch a movie, I would just be on my phone the whole time. And then, I, it's so random because it's not like the original idea of the movie theater, or maybe it is, but I've realized now that the idea of the movie theater is that there's other people there, and it is all of it. It's the whole format. You go, so I've gotten into this habit now of I'll be really stressed out at work, and I have to have a lot of difficult conversations with people that are like... You know, when you sit across from someone and you can just feel like you respect them and you can feel how they're really smart and they're probably smarter than me. And then it's my job to like change them or like coach them into a change in behavior. And it's like, so, and I'm so introverted and I, and it's so pointed to try to do that. And it's so stressful and it leaves me with so much residual anxiety. So I'll work 10 hours and I'll have to have a lot of difficult conversations peppered throughout this 10 hour shift. And then when I get off work at like 10 PM, I'm in this habit now of I get in my car, I drive 20 minutes south to Auburn where they have a big corporate fucking uh, Regal cinemas or whatever it's called. It's just like a regular movie theater. It's not the weird like alternative shit. It's not a small movie theater. 
It's not some indie movie only fucking black and white 1950s bullshit. It's just a big corporate cineplex fucking big movie theater. And I walk in and they always just have something and I pick something that I don't know anything about and I sit down and I get popcorn. And my opinion has shifted so fully. I had such a full spectrum evolution of opinion that now not only do I like that there's other people there and that I exist on their time and I like that I can't pause the movie and I like that the whole thing is just I'm it's the whole thing of existing on someone else's time I I even like the popcorn that's how full of a shift in a like why does why do opinions come in clusters like seemingly unrelated things of like, I like that I'm sitting there and I'm disincentivized from checking my phone. Because if I check my phone, people around me can see that I'm checking my phone. So I become, it's like, it's like how I tried to write a a book at my house and I couldn't do it. But if I just went to the library and just sat at a table in the library, suddenly I'm in this situation where it's like, I'm disincentivized from watching YouTube videos because I think it'd be embarrassing to be a guy in a library where people can see me and all I'm doing is watching YouTube videos. So instead I'll like have a fucking Microsoft Word document up or a Wikipedia article and that's it, you know? But so the thing that I think people don't talk about when it comes to altered state of mind is the home. And I'm so fucking fascinated with the home and how the home is your state of mind. Examples. When your home is really, okay, so let's start with familiar examples and then go towards more and more stuff that people don't talk about. What people do talk about is like, if your home is super messy versus if your home is very neat, those are like palpable states of mind. And just the gravity of the home in the mind, I think there's like a good chunk of people that were always homebodies where like, it's just what we want. We want to be at home all the time. It is who we are. And yeah, I'm so grateful that even though I was always a homebody, something in my mind always set me up to to be like, no, if I'm going to go drinking, I have to go out. And I hated going out and I just wanted to go back home. But for some reason, I always felt so bad drinking at home. So I would get super, super wasted outside. And then I'd come home and I'd be super, super wasted and I wouldn't drink at home. And I'd be super wasted in my bed because I got wasted outside. But I just, I would love to come home and I just love being home. And then there, I think, especially with COVID and stuff, this people talk so much about differences in what COVID did to us. I think COVID did so many different things to different people in how they experience the world and what they believe about the world. It's such a weird, I really think we drifted apart from each other there. Cause like, I, I, the most interesting thing in the whole episode with Amanda Anderson was how she was like, we were talking about gender and she was like, didn't you, haven't you noticed what happened in the last three years? And she literally felt like there was some complete schism in the history of gender that happened at the beginning of COVID. Like the history of gender can be divided into two eras. Pre-COVID, post-COVID, as if like COVID was the thing that did something to something about gender. Whereas in reality, I think it just coincided with her. Okay, (laughs) okay. I mean, look, 
I would love to talk to her about this because I, I don't want to put words into her mouth. But I do have some, I'm toying with some theory of like, she was, she was, grew up in a quite conservative traditional context. And she um, was in like a 10 year relationship with a man. And then she broke up with him and just broke free from a lot of things and ended up in a relationship with a woman. And that complete 180 coincided with COVID. And she felt like there was something that, I mean, if she had just said the Me Too movement, that would have made so much more sense to me. But she really felt like it was that the timing was COVID. And yeah, did COVID make her a lesbian? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just out here asking questions, you know? Um, I love Amanda Anderson so much. <laughs> okay. Anyway, what I was going to say is like the home. Yeah, I'm, I'm fascinated with how, um, like when you lose power or if you lose, um, like you're at your house and then you lose electricity. That the way your mind, you, the way that feels like an altered state of mind, because your home is such a big part of your state of mind. So if you're a homebody and you lose power, it feels like you're in someone else's house. Or if you lose your internet connection, it's like this weird thing where it's like, you're at your house and you're sitting on your couch, but it's like, whose house is this? And then, and then here's, here's why I'm talking about this. Oh, this is such a boring topic. I'm, can I just apologize to everyone for the boringness? I hate this episode so much, but here's why I'm talking about this. I'm house sitting right now. I'm in someone else's house. I'm in Doug Huntington's house. Because he is in Yosemite and someone has to take care of his cat and his dog. And so I'm living at his house. I'm watering his plants. I'm feeding his dog. I'm watering his cat. And it just feels like I'm living someone else's life. For someone who's a homebody to be house-sitting, yeah. So that brings me to the next water. I'm house-sitting with Doug. Doug's wife was like, there's an Olipop in the fridge if you want it. So yeah, we're going to review this Olipop. Orange squeeze, a new kind of soda, five grams, grams of sugar per can, blah, blah, blah. Supports digestive and immune health. These, these drinks are all really good for the gut, huh? What is the squeeze part? Orange squeeze. What's, why is it called? Prebiotics botanicals, plant fiber. Bro, honestly, I'm drinking water and you're telling me there's plant fiber in there? That better just be pulp. If it's anything other than pulp, uh, I don't know. Yeah, okay. Oh, God, why is that like, why is that a little bit gross? What's going on here? There's just like a thickness. These liquids are so thick. There's something not thirst quenching about drinking a thick liquid. Like, can it, uh, this stuff need, both of these drinks need to be more watery. I think I'm giving the poppy a 6 out of 10 and the Olipop a 5 out of 10. They're just not watery enough. The Olipop has this stamp on the side that says, plant-powered microbiome approved. And it's like, I think it's a little bit like, I feel like a loser and this is a drink for a winner. And it, and sometimes when you feel like enough of a loser, if you engage in the activities of the winners, it doesn't actually make you feel like a winner. It just highlights for you how you are not there yet. 
how you're not ready for this yet. Like you ever, you ever been a poor person and you go skiing with some rich people and it's like, yeah, we're all skiing and we should all be enjoying this. But it's like, I hate this though, because this to me just emphasizes and underlines how I'm not, I'm not where you are. And I'm just going along with some fucking true 1% shit here and, and it's not it. It's not it for me. But so before, this is probably, I don't know, probably why I hate this episode is because I was meditating before doing it and I wasn't doing the thing where you meditate and you bring silence to your mind. Instead, I was thinking about all of these things. And so it it feels like I'm retelling something I've already been thinking about. And also there was a punchline to all of the thinking that obliterated all of the thinking because the because what the one thing I do enjoy about the podcast is the act of thinking about something and then falling back and just asking like what why though like why am I thinking this and what I'm what I was thinking about what I was me- while I was meditating just now is how escapism and an altered state of mind is all of it is a fallacy because the the reason you do it when you're an alcoholic and you engage with drugs and alcohol. The reason you do it is because you feel bad. You feel anxious and you feel depressed and you don't want to feel that. So you want to change something. So you change your state of mind. But the thing is that you just take drugs and you travel to a different planet and now you're anxious on a different planet. It's weird actually. As of late, I even played, I've been playing some video games and I've been thinking about like um, how... Video games, there all these video games have two different ways of en- engaging with me. Where there's like there's phone games that are the most addictive, and they are the least immersive, and they I do them and they don't ever make me feel like I want to stop doing them because they never give me what I'm there for, and like the lack of satisfaction makes them more addictive. Whereas like super immersive video games where you like bring it up on the big screen on TV and it's like an immersive big narrative on these big vistas and a big landscape and big characters and that stuff is super immersive and it actually way more gives me what I want. And because it gives me what I want in terms of escapism, it makes it less addictive where at some point I actually am happy getting off the ride because the ride is so fully immersive and it's like... There's something about movies where movies as of late have become, out of all these forms of um, escapism and altered states, like movies for some reason are the best. There's something about it, man. I drive down to a movie theater and it's almost like it's 100% about, the, it's almost like the only form of escapism that works for me is to be on someone else's time. Like, and that can mean anything from having a day off and not asking myself, what do I want to do? Instead, going over to a friend's house and just sitting down on their couch and being like, what are you doing? And then they say what they are doing. And then I say, can I come along? And then you just go along with their day. And part of it is that you go to the courthouse and you fill out a piece of paper. And part of it is that you go get groceries with them. And part of it is that you go to the river with them and jump in the water, and all of it is just existing on their time. And there's something about going to a movie theater where it's like this packaged, like I can pay a little bit of money to exist on the time of strangers. And 
it's like the whole thing of how we enjoy it together makes it really good escapism. Where like so much of escapism of drugs and alcohol and stuff is just that I go somewhere else, but I feel the exact same way. But like when I sit down in a movie theater and I watch Oppenheimer, even though I don't really care for the movie, for two and a half hours, I literally don't have my emotions. My emotions are replaced by what's going on in the movie theater. I am there with them. Wow, this episode is like strictly for my dolphins because it's this like very, very specific blend of um, boring and super, super referential, like stuff just building on what I've already talked about in other episodes. Like there's no way to, (laughs) there's no way to make this, there's no way to make this the first episode of the podcast you listen to. So I'm sitting here in someone else's living room and do I feel like a different person? No, I really just feel like myself. And the only difference is that I feel more uneasy I don't understand how the coffee maker works, slash I don't like that type of coffee maker, which is really just the traditional type of drip coffee. I'm way too pretentious for that. And, yeah, the dog is not my dog, you know? I don't exactly know where to iron all these shirts. Like, there's an iron, and there's an ironing board, and I there's a bunch of shirts that are wrinkly, and I just don't know where to do it. Maybe life is, maybe a home is, maybe so much of it is just figuring out how to do this stuff. It's, it's a small home that I'm in and, and there, we, we, there was a couple of observations about, we were having a conversation about having a small home because, because like currently I also live in a small home. I moved from a very large home to a very small home and so did Doug living here with his wife and we were talking about it, and as we were talking about it, I was, it's, it, I, there's this thing that happens to me when I talk to people where, like, we'll be talking about stuff, and the stuff we're saying out loud, are, it's so stupid, but, but my thoughts about what we're saying out loud that aren't, that's where I actually, like, I actually had a lot of, it's actually helpful to have stupid conversations, because that made me, like, actually understand how I feel about it. I think that's what the entire podcast is, actually, that we say the stupid part out loud so that you can listen to it and so that you can know, so that you can have the smart thoughts yourself in your head. And this is just sort of like, you need something to react to. You need to react to some stupidity for you to be smart. So I'm giving the listener the gift of of getting to have smart thoughts because I give them something to disagree. I'm, I, I give you something where you can hit the stop button and be like, wow. That guy's pretty stupid. That guy's, that guy does not know what's up. But what I, what I realized about having a small home is like the limitation is the deal breaker is when your home is so small that you cannot, um, get it enough empty space because you actually need, a good amount of empty space from like a design and feng shui and flow and spiritual perspective. Like you need minimalism. And if your home is so small that every area has a utility or every area has been designed or every, every area has some, some decorative objects. If everything is, if wherever you point the camera, there's like a little smart little solution that unpacks into like a bigger thing that like sleeps three then 
that's no good. You have to have a couple of spaces where there's just nothing so that you can look in those spaces and just know what you are. And I think that's maybe the problem in my house. I need, I need one more desk and I need it to be completely empty. That's really like, oh God, I miss that so much. Before they invented computers and computer screens, just having an empty desk. Because what I do now instead is I have a computer and then I have a desktop on the computer. And then I, every once in a while, that computer desktop gets really cluttered. And then I have to tidy it up. And then when it's clean, that feels good. But like, what would feel even cleaner is if I cleaned up all the little icons on the screen. And then I took the screen and just threw the screen out the window. And I just sat there in front of an empty desk. And I just performed no work because it's not about being productive. It's about how I just, I just don't want to feel like a broken puppet. You know, I just don't want to feel like a Disney adult broken animatronics. Fucking your, your mind cart, your mind cart breaks down in front of me. And I just like move back and forth. Just my torso just rocking back and forth. You know, a puppet having a panic attack. Okay, let's do a little sobriety, mention the sobriety check-in thing. So, um, I always have problems with sleep. And because of that, I, some, something I discovered in America in the last few years is NyQuil. And NyQuil is like, it's like some basic over-the-counter antihistamines and some paracetamol adjacent thing. And, um, maybe that's it. And, I would take that and it would make me super drowsy and it would really help me sleep. And then I would, because it's quite, feels quite powerful, I would get paranoid and feel like it's probably really bad for you. So I took a picture of the ingredients and I sent it to Dr. Luke. This is years ago. And Dr. Luke looked at the ingredients and, and I was like, how bad is this for me? And it's like, bro, that's not, none of that matters. You can, you can take that every day. It's just like, those are just regular antihistamines. And like, what is going on with antihistamines? Like, what are antihistamines? Um, cause Lucas also told me that like the basic sort of allergy med that helps you with being allergic to dander or being allergic to fucking pollen or whatever. You can take those every day of your life and, and we don't think that not anything bad happens. But anyway, so because Luke said that, it, and I probably attached too much value to it because he said it. I found myself taking just a little bit of NyQuil. NyQuil comes with, it comes with a little plastic cup and one dose is 30 milliliters of this like bright blue syrup. And so I would take it every single night and I would do, I'm this nervous little fella, so I wouldn't take the full 30 milliliter. I would take 15 milliliters. I would take half a dose, which is the child dose, or I would take even less. I would take half or a quarter or a third. And then like once every few weeks when I was just feeling super fucked up and super anxious and I wanted to sleep for a long time, I would take a full, full one. And then I'd sleep for nine and a half hours and I'd wake up feeling so fucking rejuvenated, also groggy in a way where it take it would take me 2 hours to wake up and lots of caffeine to wake up but once when i really woke up it would be i would be in really good shape but so then i found myself doing this every night 
for like a quite extended period. And I found myself going to the grocery store and getting not the one big bottle of NyQuil, but it's cheaper to get two. So I would get the two pack, you know, I'd get two bottles of NyQuil for 30 bucks or whatever. And I don't know, it's months, you know, it's months of doing it. It's probably a year and a half of doing it most doing NyQuil most nights. And now recently in the last six months, it's really like an unbroken row of days where I took NyQuil every single day. And it got to a point where I was now paranoid about it. And I was like this. Also, it's like, it doesn't really make sense because I would take it at like 4 a.m. where at a time and I'd be so sleep deprived. And I'd take it and then I'd fall asleep and I'd sleep like five hours because then I'd have to wake up and like work on something. So I would work so much and I'd be so tired and I would be asking myself like, if I stopped taking NyQuil, couldn't I sleep anyway because I'm so fucking tired? And so two days ago, I just, did it coincide with me staying here? Yeah. Somehow when I was house sitting for Doug, I became a different person and I stopped taking NyQuil. And so now for two nights, I haven't taken it and nothing happened. No withdrawals, no problem sleeping, nothing. What an uninteresting end to that story. Anyway, on a related note, Dr. Luke emailed me and he said, can you talk about Sweden and the burning of the Quran in your next episode? And I don't have anything to say about that. And it, what it really made me think of is how me and all my buddies, me and a bunch of Swedish buddies used to live in China for a long time. And then we would, there's such a funny dynamic here because it's like, we'd get into this situation where like, we are in the middle of getting a bachelor degree in in Chinese, in, in what's, the bachelor degree is like in East Asia studies. But what it really means is that you do two and a half years of studying Chinese full time. And then you take a couple of classes of Chinese history. And then you take a couple of classes of something related to linguistics or something related to like politics in modern day China. Like you take a poli sci class with focus on East Asia or something. So really what you're doing is you're you're becoming like a China nerd where you are reading all these books on the Chinese economy, reading all these books on Chinese society. Um, and you're sort of focusing on Chinese society. And that's a very, it's silly because it makes you have all these thoughts, like any thought so simple that you can have it in English, any thought so simple that you can turn it into a sentence in your brain or say it out loud is so simple that you have simplified anything so much that it's not true anymore. Like anything you think you can say about a society with 1.3 billion people is going to be simplified to the point of not being true. So you end up in this thing where you're in China and you're trying to learn about Chinese society and you're fascinated with Chinese society and you've read all these books about Chinese society and you have a bunch of Chinese friends. And I would find myself asking my Chinese friends about stuff, about like, what do you think about this thing about politics? And they would all be like, what? And there's like this disconnect here I found so fascinating because you you end up thinking that every Chinese person is an expert on the thing you're a nerd about. But really, this Chinese person in front of you 
they don't give a shit about Chinese society because they don't view Chinese society to them is the invisible canvas behind everything. And what they are fascinated with is like Korean pop music or economics and being a futures trader and making a lot of money or, you know, how to, you know, be a sales manager for this fucking thing that they're trying to sell or, you know, food. And then, and then you get into this weird situation where the fact that they aren't interested in this esoteric Chinese politics thing you're trying to ask them about, or you're trying to ask them like, hey, what do you think about this guy uh, who is like, you know, some famous Chinese person, and they are not interested. Then you draw the conclusion from that 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 guy is not popular anymore. But really, I guess the point of what I'm saying is just that while living in China for about a decade and being fascinated with Chinese society and trying to like explain Chinese society to myself, I frequently would ask Chinese people about um, Chinese cultural eccentricities and they would have nothing interesting to say about it because they'd never thought about it and they weren't interested in dissecting it. And I always wondered, what does that feel like to be on the other side of this? What does it feel like to be fetishized? What does it feel like to be treated as if you are part of an of a of an object that is like the object of analysis. And there were a few times, and I brought this up on the podcast previously, there were a few times where I got to be the fetishized person. And like Stephen Atherton would live in Sweden and, and analyze Swedish society. And me and Sebastian would talk about what it feels like to be analyzed and how clearly the person analyzing isn't making any good points. Like the, Big takeaway was always there is no utility to this act of analyzing something that is so big. Like there's very little utility to analyzing like what is the difference between Western and Eastern culture or like what is the difference between American culture and Swedish culture. It's funny because it's like what it's like most of what I do on the podcast, but I also one of my strongest held beliefs one of my deepest beliefs is that that's not useful or possible. It's not useful because it's not possible. So um, when Luke asks me, can you talk about Sweden and the burning of the Quran in your next episode? Th there is something where like someone burned a Quran outside of the Iranian embassy in Sweden or something, which is kind of, it's a mix. It's like, is that a hate crime? It's it's a hate crime, right? Because just burning, like, actually in Sweden, I don't know. I don't know if it's a hate crime. And I guess that's the question. I think in Sweden that doesn't really break any laws because there's no specific law against burning a book. But to a Muslim, that breaks a sort of holy law. And so now Sweden is getting boycotted by every country in the Middle East. And Sweden was trying to join NATO to be a little bit safer with Russia about to invade Europe. And our process of joining NATO is now slowed down because one of the voting members of NATO is Turkey, and Turkey is like a 99% Muslim country. Um, yeah, so what do I as a Swedish person have to say about that? Yeah, nothing, never thought about it. And I'm just like a Chinese person when, when Joachim, Joachim in China walks up to you and asks, what do you think about Taiwan? It's like nothing. I have no thoughts about that, says the Chinese person.
Anyway, it's way too hot in here, and I don't know. I, I think I have to call it. I think this episode, I think that has to be it. That's the whole episode. I love you guys, and um, I'm gonna try to. I'm gonna try to f- find a way to enjoy myself in life again. I'm gonna try to find my way back to where I was and how I ended up here in the first place. Thank you.